Hello and welcome to another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob. I'm Wayne Highlander, National Sales Manager Bone Adhesives. And I'm Rob Johnson from Bona Training. So happy to see you training, Rob. I, I saw the, the videos and pictures on, on the online and stuff, and I know you're in your zone, man. So it's very cool that you're back open. We are. I am definitely back in the zone. I, I'm so happy everybody's just getting back to, you know, we're trying to get back to normal. Um, we, we even had a student give a testimonial, and, and that shot out over the airwave. So everybody was really excited. I mean, um, you know, we – we had to start postponing schools back in, you know, schools that we had set up for March. And we made a lot of phone calls, contacted all the students that we had postponed. And I'll tell you, man, every single person was just so excited that we were getting back to it and trying to get back to some normalcy and everything. So, yeah, I'm good. It's awesome to be back. Good to see you. it. Does it feels it, things start to feel right when I see you uh, training again, man? And you're sitting in a hotel room right now, so. Oh life, yeah, this, life this, is good. Yeah, you know, like a king. All right, man. we have a special guest with us today. Today we're talking with Stephen Young with Young Brothers Hardwood Floors out of Colorado. And uh, how you doing, Steve? I'm doing pretty well. Just got done working. Yeah, I appreciate you making the time. I see you're in your work attire and everything. It's the end of the day for you, man. So I appreciate you making it. No, oh, yeah, no problem. Uh, Young Brothers Hardwood Floors, uh, Stephen Young, and um, I know you guys won the Floor of the Year this year. And uh, I mean, that's that to me. Uh, I, I look forward to the Floor of the Year coming out every year, and to get a chance to see uh, see some of the the, the just the phenomenal technology and 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 the um the creativity and everything and to win a floor of the year man that, that to me is the top of the ladder and for you guys to to, to win that floor of the year in 2020 and uh and I, I got a chance to see some of the stuff and you're pouring inlaying metal into that floor and the floor to lead design I mean it was just really cool so congrats on that thank you yeah it was it was a, a fun one it was something that we set out to do was to win a floor of the year and it came a little bit quicker than we thought um, we thought it was going to take us five to 10 years to get it. Um, but it was definitely a goal that we had set for ourselves as a company between me and my brother. Um, and, you know, it's bittersweet, you know, because on one hand, we're super excited to win it. And then on the other hand, there's the disappointment of not being able to actually go and walk across the stage, get our, uh, our award and, you know, kind of be around of our peers. But on the other side of that, you know, it showed up in the mail and instead I get to open it with my son. Um, and it was, it was fun. You know, that's, uh, that's cool to see, man. And, and, um, like I said, to me, the, that's the pinnacle, the floor of the year and to see some of the, some of the, the talent out there that, 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 uh, that you're competing against, man, they're just, uh, cream of the crop. So that's congrats to you guys, man. That's a lot of hard work. And I know you guys, and I, I noticed, you know, years ago, man, you're, you're, you're a fairly young company. You guys are young guys, but some of the stuff that you're doing out there right now is, uh, is, uh, is pretty next level. Uh, we have a motto that uh, can't be afraid to toast the floor. <laughs> <laughs> so I, we, there's a lot of things we want to talk to you about, Steven. You guys, uh, I mean, I, I follow you on social media, your company. And, um, I think one of the things that I want to talk to you, I know you do a lot of work for high-end builders. You said, where are you right now? Are you in Vail, Colorado or? Aspen. Aspen, Colorado. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm in Aspen. Uh, I have a series of jobs up here that I'm basically here for about two months um, working uh, on a couple different projects. 
So I think that's that's a good place to start because uh, I know you guys do a lot of work with builders and a lot of high-end builders. And, um, you know, subcontractors are becoming more and more important as, as products and uh, become more sophisticated and more complex. Uh, general contractors are relying more on, um, on their subcontractors. And um, I think some, some, there's some jobs out there I see that subs are doing like 90% of the work. And a lot of times the, the general contractors are just managing the projects, right? So once you maybe, I think it'd be good because a lot of guys don't want to work for, and you hear this a lot that we don't want to work for general contractors and, and we prefer to work for homeowners. And so maybe you can talk about that a little bit, um, how you build relationship with general contractors. And, 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 and I think that's a good place, good place to start. You know what we should yeah. start with is getting in with the right general contractor. Uh, I think the higher end guys, and that sounds like, you know, where young brothers lives. <laughs> it's where we like to live um, for sure. And, and, you know, like high end air quotes, it, it's, it's perception, you know, cause what's high end to me is not necessarily high end to somebody else, you know, and, and vice versa. And so I think a lot of it comes down to confidence is one thing. You got to be able to go in and talk to whoever um, and have the confidence to know that you can execute whatever they want and meet or exceed their expectations. It's that whole thing of, you know, under promise and over deliver. It's all about that and product knowledge. Um, you know, I, I have done a ton of reading and research and lots of trainings. Um, first training was Bona training. Um, and then I've done NWFA trainings. I've done other manufacturer trainings. Um, I look up a, a lot of specs so that I know whenever I walk into a job and they're specking one product for adhesive, I can come in and say, well, you know, so this sound dampening system that they have elevates us, you know, an eighth of an inch or three millimeters, or we can just go straight to a bone adhesive and have better sound dampening properties. You know, we can have a 71 and a 65, I believe it is, or we go to a slotted mat system. The main one that's out there that gets used a lot that we run into is a 65 and 59. So our bone adhesives are far superior. So also we prefer them. So, you know, it's coming into a lot of that and education. Education is so much of it. That's what I view 80% of my job is, is education. Boy, Wayne got excited when you started nailing those numbers, man, because I don't know if you know this, but our boy Wayne is national adhesive sales manager. So uh, I call and harass him every once. Show the love, baby. Once in a while. <laughs> Wayne is, look at him. He's, he's, he's wiping tears away right now. I'm going to give you a bell for that one. Well, you know, Stephen, you, 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 you touched on something, a little bit of what I, what I think is so important with working with general contractors. There's a couple of things that I think that make for a good relationship. I think one of them is communication. And, and I think the other is built on respect. Um, you know, you, I think you, see, you, know a good you know a good general contractor when you see the same subs on every job. You know what I mean? And they, they know they can trust you. And, and there, there's, a, there's a certain amount of pressure associated working with homeowners but with builders, their schedules are so tight, they have to trust you. They have to know that you, you're going to be there when you say you're going to be there. And you're not going to cause them problems. So um, maybe talk about that versus work with homeowners. Yeah, so <clears throat> whenever it comes to that, like, so on the homeowner side, 
you know, there's a lot more kind of guesswork, so to say, where you're trying to kind of figure out exactly what they want to do. And, you know, you start with this huge spectrum of things and then you kind of funnel it down. And one of the big problems I run into is when you ask a homeowner about a budget, they go, well, you know, like we don't really have one. And then, you know, but we want, you know, eight inch lives on white oak and we want some parquet and we want you know custom finishing and then you start throwing prices and they go wow that's way too much you know so it's like okay so you do have a budget versus you know a lot of the builders they they will have a budget in mind and you know i run into it a lot where they go oh we budgeted eleven dollars a square foot i'm like okay is that like just the wood or what, what's the deal? And they're like, no, that's supply, install, sand, finish. And I, I have a hard time not laughing, um, you know, because it's just, that's really low. Um, at least for, for me, for my company, um, we, we average right around like 20 to 22 a square foot. Um, and that's supply and install. Okay. Um, and it, it, gets, it gets up there um, and goes crazy. Like some of the jobs start hitting like 70 80 dollars a square foot um you know so so really just that's kind of one of the better sides of working for builders more so um and like when you when you kind of talk about like builders versus general contractors i'm not a super big fan of working for gcs in comparison to builders um because most of the time the builders are better organized they have more communication and they have those those subgroups you know, where you see the same painters, you see the same electricians, you see the same plumbers, and you start building relationships with these guys, you know, and so it's like, oh, hey, you're on this one too? Sweet. <laughs> you know, I won't mess up your paint if you don't mess up my floor. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, the, it, it, it's different. You have to be a little bit more flexible with the builders than you do with homeowners, you know, because, you know, the builder will say, like, we just ran into this. So we had the first two weeks of August off because one job wasn't ready. And then the other job, um, they didn't replace the subfloor like I told them to. And so then they ended up needing to do that. So we were two weeks behind. And so then it's just a scramble to try and make everything happen. And, you know, it, it, it comes with long days, yeah. you know, long days. I, I work a lot, <laughs> um, but it's, it comes with it. So they, they do expect a little bit of flexibility and it's more so on their end, you know, where they say, Hey, I'm ready. And you're not ready. They're not as flexible in comparison to, Hey, we're not ready. Like, you know, you get, give us a week. So uh, what percentage of your work is with, with, uh, with the builders in and versus homeowners? Um, um it, it kind of depends. So like right now for the next three months, it's all builders. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's all builders. But then for the next like three weeks after that span, then it's homeowners. So, so if somebody was, you know, a young contractor in the trade or what have you, or if they don't work with a lot of builders or GC, what, what would, what advice would you give them? Um, we, we know sometimes the reputation that guys, maybe they, they're slow pay or, or the schedules never were supposed to be, or the place isn't ready for you when it was supposed to be ready. And so how do you eliminate those and have a good working relationship with your builders? Uh, communication. Uh, communication is a huge thing. And setting expectations up front um, and paperwork. My least favorite thing in the world is paperwork, but we have a ton of it. 
Um, all of our documents are all in a line. Um, basically, when I send out a quote, it's electronically generated. Um, I, I use Jobber is what I use as a platform for quoting, invoicing, um, scheduling. It's awesome for a CRM. Um, and so a lot of the builders, they won't necessarily tell you but you, you, you need to get in a groove of, okay, they've approved this quote and I got to call them and say, Hey, I need you to sign off on it. I need you to sign off on my warranty, um, my behavior of wood. I need you to sign off on my aftercare. And, um, well, let's stop right there. I, I think that, I think this is a, this is interesting to me. And a lot of people are, um, they feel like, well, you know, they're, they're maybe they're too timid to, to say you guys need to sign this, or they feel like I'm asking, I'm asking too much, or I'm being a pain in the butt, or, or, or am I going to offend them? So how do you, how do you handle that? Obviously, you don't. I mean, you know, you realize this is business, and you say communication is so important, and and but I think a lot of guys struggle with that, and in the end, and what happens is, if it's not drawn out exactly what my responsibilities are versus yours and what have you. And at the end of the job or somewhere down the line, there's going to be hard feelings. So talk about how important that is to get that lined out from the, from the, from the beginning. Well, you got to think about it that. So like most builders, who are they dealing with? They're dealing with plumbers, electricians, trim carpenters. Then they're dealing with designers and architects and they're dealing with all these people. And so every company has their own, you know, thing that they need done, own series of events, and it's your responsibility as a contractor, as a subcontractor, to make sure your ducks are in a row and your things are getting signed off on because those guys are busy. You know, I'm busy too, but at the end of the day, they're the ones that have the work. And so I need to make sure that I'm regularly touching base, text messages, emails. Um, I personally get up typically around like four or 4.30 every morning. Um, and that's, that's my office time is I respond to emails. I message stuff out until about like six. Um, and then it's time to get ready for work and get my son ready for school and, and that stuff. So I think a lot of it is setting the expectations up front of, hey, I have these things. And if you want me to do your job, I need these in a row plus my deposit, which then they want an invoice. And then we proceed forward. I, I tell you, Stephen, it's all across the board. I've, I've talked to guys that say, nope, the builder said, you know, you can only charge X amount because that's what the builder, only, that this, this area here, the builder will only pay that. And you can't get any more than that. And it was always, I'm always surprised to hear that because I know in Northern California where we worked, to me, we were the show. I mean, this is our price. This is what we, this is what our, our expectations are and what have you. And if, you know, we, we, there's other work out there. We, we were not uh, beholden to them like that. You know, once we got a good relationship with the builder, then we, we kept it. Um, but uh, I'm always surprised to see that sometimes contractors feel like they don't have any leverage. Uh, your name and reputation and your good work is, is your leverage, right? It, it, it is. And then also at the same time, you, you have to be willing to say no and, and walk away. You know, that, that happens pretty regularly. <laughs> One of the, the sayings that has been hammered into me um, is I've never lost money on a job I haven't taken. Yeah. No, and it, it factors into knowing about your numbers and how to actually run a business, which, you know, <laughs> same thing. Bono has been a big component into that, um, especially with going to like convention, for example, conventions all about business. 
you know, and that's really when I started to go from a monkey with a mallet to a business owner <clears throat> and understanding like, what is the difference between a margin and a markup? You know, cause there, there is a big difference between the two yeah. and knowing your numbers and what you can operate at. And if a builder says, well, Hey, we can only pay you X amount. Well, okay. Have a good day. You know, I'll, I'll see you later. So it's your, your work is not that important to me in comparison to hitting my numbers and making a living. My old partner and I, we did a lot of work in the Albany, New York area at that then. And we started to get really good, got a really good reputation and name. And one of the biggest builders in the, in the capital district where we were working, uh, gave us a call and we were walking through, you know, it was like McMansions one after another. And uh, the whole time I'm thinking, I'm going to get a boat, I'm going to get a truck, I'm going to get an in-ground pool. I'm, I am going to be the, the Wayne Highlander of New York when I'm done with this. And uh, I started, you know, throwing my prices out there. And he, he was almost laughing in my face. And he's like, here's how we do it. And he showed me his pricing structure and when you get paid and how much. And he was telling me, yeah, we'll set up a credit account with you. And as soon as he said, we'll set up a credit account with you at your local distributor, I was like, okay, it's been very nice talking to you. I will see you later. Yeah. And I watched that boat and in-ground pool just, you know, just vanish. <laughs> but I was at least, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I was at least smart enough to just walk away from that one because that, you know, I've watched some guys who did get that, uh, did work for that builder. And, and it was, uh, it was almost like you were working for the company store. He had them on the hook and, you know, would dangle jobs in front of them. And it, they were always a job or two behind. So they had to keep going to get the next, it was, a, it was a bad deal for those guys. For Steven, for you, in order for you to do that, when, like you say, when someone says, well, can you, can you do it for 5% off or 10% off? You've got to know your numbers, right? That, that's yep. looking at your business and understanding your business and understanding what you need to make in order for you to be successful and pay the bills and what have you. Correct. Yeah, it's, it's all about numbers, um, you know, and, and knowing how much does it cost me per day to run a guy? How many man days does it, is it going to take me to do this job? So that's, that's kind of how we go about it is basically like what I'll do is I'll generate a bid and then um, we break it down backwards and we go, okay, so here's the blueprints. Here's where we're installing. These are some focal points. Here's some issues that we think we're going to see. And so then we break it down on how many days we think it's going to take. And then we add our margins in plus our materials and add our margins onto that, you know, so that when we break it all down, we're hitting our target. You know, and our, our target is always at right around like 25 to 30%. If I run the numbers and we come back and we're at five to 10%, then we up the number. Or if I know, hey, like this is not like they don't have the money, you know, they don't have this in the budget. So we're just going to politely turn this one down, you know, and move on to the next one. And that's okay to do that, isn't it? Like you said, some of the best jobs are the ones you don't have. I mean, we would always we would always say, you know what, we really appreciate you considering us for this project, but this isn't going to work out for us, and we're going to we're going to we're going to pass. But really, yep. sometimes they get offended, like how oh, yeah. turn this down. 
and they, they're not too happy with it. Or sometimes the price suddenly they find the money. Um, right. So I want to talk about something else. I got so many things I want to talk to you about, Stephen, because again, we're talking with Stephen with with uh, with um, Young Brothers Hardwood Floor, Stephen Young. I want to talk about something else too: is how you sell the jobs to the homeowner, how to sell a job. Um, you know, some guys are very good. I mean, really, my uncle. While I, I learned in life wasn't the best floor guy, he was very, very good fitting the jobs. And he really set the homeowners at ease. And, and uh, he was just a nice, calming presence. And, and he reeked of, of um, experience. He'd been around so long that you just, you just wanted him to do your floors. So maybe, maybe kind of talk about the art of selling a job to a homeowner. So whenever it comes to selling to homeowners, so there's a vetting process. When they call or email my first contact with them, there's a vetting process. And that process involves most importantly, what are you looking for? You know, because so many people call and they just, oh, I just want hardwood floors. Well, okay, do you have existing ones? Are we matching? Are we extending them? Are you starting off new? If you're starting off new, what kind of budget are you looking at? You know, are you interested in something nice and wide? And it's it's funny because people will go, oh, we want wide plank. I'm like, sweet. Like, we're, what are we talking? Seven, eight, nine inches? And they're like, no, we were thinking like four or five. Like, that's, that's, not, that's not wide, um, at least in my opinion. Yeah, you know, because some of the stuff we deal with goes up to 16, 17 inches. So, um, you know, it's, it's going through that vetting process first to determine, is it even worth it to go out and do a bid in the first place? You know, because you don't want to go out to a job that's 300 square feet and we carry a job minimum and our job minimum is three times what they're wanting to spend. So that's a wasted trip for me you know, getting a good understanding of what they're looking for and walking through with them about detail points. Um, I'm very detail oriented whenever I'm going through stuff. Um, I find that that really helps where it's like, all right, so when we meet up to, you know, this linoleum, are you planning on removing it at any point? You know, most of the time the answer is yes. So then we'll put in a sacrificial header versus a permanent one. So then when that gets removed, we pull, that just gets pulled and then they build it up to the next level. So, so then we don't have to come back to cut out a header and, you know, sand and blend it and do all this silly stuff. Um, and really understanding, are they a hermit or are they um, an active household? And when I say active household, to me, that means that there's kids, dogs. Um, I always ask people, are you a tricycle in the house or a tricycle out of the house? Because me, I'm tricycle in the house. So... Um, and then that always comes into people wanting the most durable finish and durability is one of those things that is subjective, you know, because if you have somebody that lives by themselves, don't entertain anybody, always take their shoes off, you know, a product like Novia is probably going to be just fine for them, you know, versus somebody that entertains on a regular basis, has kids, has dogs, their tricycle in the house. They're more of a candidate for, um, I personally prefer oils, um, so craft oil or traffic, um, and we predominantly use traffic HD. And so then it just comes down to educating them on those different choices. So because, you know, probably about 80 to 90% of the jobs that we site finish are done with natural oils. And the reason for that is because they are truly maintainable. And I'm very much about sustainability and renewability. 
And that's where these oils really come in because you can have a floor that's oiled with craft oil. You oil it. First off, I'm saving time because I'm not coming back to coat it. I'm not coming back, you know, I'm not staining it and then coming back the next day and putting two coats and then coming back the next day and dropping another coat. Um, I'm sanding it, popping it, oiling it, and then I'm done. And then whenever it comes to the maintenance side, the best way to describe it is when you have a film forming polyurethane finish and the dog, you know, does a burnout across the, the front room and goes sliding to the back door, that urethane's tearing. And that's what's actually, you're seeing the scratches, the urethanes themselves tearing. If there's no urethane, there's nothing to tear. And so when that dog goes sliding across like a craft oiled floor, if it gouges it, you can fix that. And most of the time you literally just rub more oil into the scratch or let it penetrate, clean it up. And is it still physically there? Yes, it is. But from a standing position, most of the time you cannot see it anymore. Versus if it's a film filming finish, it, it, it'll be there no matter what. You guys embrace new technology and uh, you put time into it. You study it. You understand it. You, you, um, you know, wrap your heads around before you guys get involved in it. But you, I noticed early on, you, you got into the, to the craft oil early on. There's a lot of interest at the schools with the craft oil. A lot of people want to, you know, learn about it and use it and everything. Um, and everybody says the same thing, just like you were saying about, wow, it's great stuff. And it's, you know, one coat and versatile and all that. But what I try to stress to everybody is the maintenance opportunities that come along with the craft oil. I think that's what a lot of the people that uh, are wanting to try craft oil or use it. That's the part that I really try to get them to understand in the school is this is going to be a customer for life now. It, it, it is. Um, and one, one of the things that I, I got to say is that when it comes to an oiled floor, your sanding needs to be on point mm -hmm. because if you go and apply that oil onto it and your sanding is subpar and is not very high quality sand job where stain probably be just fine because then you have film build going on it to protect it versus with an oiled floor like craft oil you're relying on your sanding to get proper penetration and absorption into the wood because that's how it works is it penetrates in hardens inside and then kind of clean up the rest and that's one of the main problems that I've seen guys having with oils is, I mean, I'm sure you've seen the videos of us where we have thousands of square feet troweled out, just spread out where we're like swimming in the stuff. <laughs> and, you know, I get messages like, oh, aren't you worried? Aren't you worried? Nope. Not with, not with penetrating oils because I'm waiting for it to soak in and get its fill and then worry about buffing it in and buffing it off. And if it gets a little sticky, you can always add more oil or just hit it again with a red pad and that kind of loosens it up and, and works it. And the guys that tend to have problems are the ones that are just so used to staining that they don't allow it to do its job and penetrate. The people that say, well, gosh, I have to put more time into it because my sand job's gotta be spot on. Um, you get that back in the end. I think because like you said, you're not coming back and putting multiple coats on top of this floor. Um, uh, so, you know what I mean? I think, I think labor wise, you get it back on that, that end of the job. 
or just structured in the first place to sand all your jobs to a high quality. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, because that's, that's how we do it is every, it doesn't matter if it's just going natural oil modified poly, if it's going natural water-based stain oil, we sand them all like we're going to be getting oiled on them. So, because then, then there's, there's no question. You know, so when somebody else is sanding and like me or my brother aren't on site, then they already know we're sanding it this way. This is our sequence. This is our grit progression. This is how we're going to do it so that whenever it comes time, we're covered no matter what we're doing. So because a lot of time we're already sanded up by the time somebody picks a color or finish process. And what, what do you see in the color ranges uh, mostly with the, uh, with the oils? Uh, so the predominantly for us, it's light tones, um, light to mid tones is, is kind of like the most common colors, um, that we do. Um, I mix a, a lot of air with stuff. Uh, so a lot of craft oil air with different colors. Um, you get some pretty cool looks where, you know, if you take like a little bit of like clay craft oil and mix it with a whole lot <laughs> of air, you get this really unique gray. Um, and it looks phenomenal on white oak. Wow. So, um, but that's that's kind of the the general is real light mid tone browns, um, not really like gray. Um, I know like kind of gray floors have been pretty popular. I've literally only done like actual gray floors, maybe like three. Um, most of the time, it's like gray accenting, where we're tinting the oil with you know. For example, taking like air and then cutting ash into it or taking clay and cutting ash into it, you know, or doing like, you know, four parts Jacobian and one part classic gray, you know, or one part gray and then staining the floor. So, or, you know, you do like <clears throat> a, a brown and then go back over it with the gray craft oil. And, and it's, that's what I see more of as far as that gray goes. And, and maybe talk about the maintenance of those, Stephen, a little bit, as, if you could. When you go back to do a maintenance code on them, what's involved? Yeah, so in general, so I have oiled craft oil floors out there, like three or four years old now, um, and they, they hold up great. Um, we water pop pretty much all of them. Mm -hmm. um, it's pretty rare that we don't. Um, and whenever it comes to the maintenance side of it, as long as you've done your education to your customer and provided them with, Hey, clean it with this, you know, so we give them a, a Bona, uh, natural oil floor cleaner, you know, if they're staying on top of just, just cleaning the floor because the, the natural oil soap cleaner from Bona has a little bit of the oil in it, has a little bit of the soap in it. So what it's doing is it's doing a couple of things. It's cleaning it first off, and then it's also hydrating and nourishing the oil. The best way to compare an oiled floor to something else is comparing it to like your skin or your hair. You know, I live in a pretty dry climate, and so you need lotion, you need conditioner. You're doing the same thing to your floor. You're conditioning it. And then roughly in anywhere from three years to 10 years, depends on lifestyle, that's whenever the more involved maintenance comes in, which is coming in with care and coming in buffing care in and care is pretty thin. Um, but same thing, Bona's done a good job where you can take one of the sample containers and dump it into <coughs> the 
uh, care container, and that's the correct ratio to repigment the floor. So if you go in and you see some wear spots where some pigments have left and have walked off or whatever the case may be, you can tint that care oil, um, you know, the sample jar to the big thing and buff that onto the floor, let it set for about 15, 20 minutes, and then buff it off. Whenever that color is introduced into the care, it will redistribute and it will find where it wants to go. It won't really like stack on top of the existing oil. It will go where it wants to. Yeah. So, um, and then we typically, when we do it, we typically recommend people to stay out of the house for the night. Um, just, I'm always safe. Always better safe than sorry. Realistically, if you do it in the morning, you know, they can walk on it in socks in the evening, you know, about six to eight hours, I think is like the actual dry time. Um, I typically tell people 12. So, um, but that's, that's really when it comes to the maintenance and educating them, you know, people will have this misconception with oiled floors that they require a ton of maintenance. And there's definitely products out there that do require a lot of maintenance. When it comes to craft oil, I found that there's really not that much more maintenance. It's literally, you're cleaning the floor with a different product. Yeah. Um, and then instead of coming in and doing a screen and recoat, we're just cleaning and re-oiling it. And you don't have to do the whole floor. We can come in and we can re-oil just the high traffic areas instead of, hey, we got to do a screen and recoat. We got to, everything's got to come out. And I'm not a mover, so I don't move anything. Yeah. <laughs> and things. you can move carpet, just fold the carpets back in some cases, like the big buffet can stay where it's at, get the yep. high traffic areas and, and, and you walk out there, man. It's amazing what it looks like after you do that. Oh, it's, it's awesome what it does. How did you guys learn to trade? Where did you, where did you start from? And then, and then after that is what, what motivates you? What, what gets you guys excited? Where do you see yourself in five years? How about that for um, multiple questions at one shot? I was going to say, that's quite a few. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, so, so where'd you learn to trade from? What, what motivates you guys? Where do you see yourself in five years? So um, I, uh, <clears throat> my brother and I were doing foundations and framing and uh, my brother did excavating and um, a lot of general construction. Um, and at a point, I didn't really care for the guy that we were working for. So I kind of went off and started answering Craigslist ads. And uh, we, we grew up in the Rob, mountains. Rob, Rob does that too, by the way, but that's another topic. I think that's oh. a different Craigslist ad. I don't do that anymore. You know, speaking of that Craigslist ad that uh, Wayne thinks, I'm so glad you use that analogy of uh, shampoo and conditioner because that's the same analogy I use in the school. I do it a little different, though. I tell everybody, you know, uh, picture me in the shower, washing my hair, using conditioner. And I'll tell you, once you explain it like that, everybody who comes to that class now knows exactly it's burned into their head. Well, it's, it's a great analogy. I actually picked it up from, uh, from a homeowner. Me in the that shower? <laughs> yeah, so I, I picked up that whole thing from talking to a homeowner I was explaining kind of about nourishing wood and and how we're conditioning it and she's like oh just like taking care of my hair I was like yes bingo <laughs> yeah <laughs> so ever since then that's that's what I've been doing as far as explaining that to people um, is using hair or skin as a as an analogy to it um and so 
um, to kind of go back. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I was answering Craigslist ads and um, got this guy to hire me to come and build a deck and do some fire mitigation and stuff. It was out in the middle of the mountains. Um, basically like you're already in the middle of the mountains and then you drive down this dirt road for another like 30 minutes that comes to like a four wheel drive trail and get to this uh, timber frame post and beam house that's an octagon. And it was totally off the grid, had solar and wind and uh, deck was already built. <laughs> and so he's like, well, I saw your resume. So like, how about you do my floor? It's like, sure. Utility grade pine is the first floor I ever put in I had no real idea what I was doing it took me so long to do it and there's all these weird angles and stuff and um and then uh, a little bit after that um I I kind of took a, a hiatus from life so to speak um I I'm, I'm an alcoholic I drink a ton um and I, I went to rehab and sobered up and um <laughs> my brother's laughing <laughs> Um, I, I am so glad it was your brother and not Wayne who was laughing at that one. Um, and so, I almost died when I heard that. Wayne is <laughs> laughing at the dude. Come on. <laughs> it's my brother. We're supposed to say we're proud of you. Typical um, brother, and, huh? Is he older yeah. or younger? Uh, everybody thinks he's younger, but he's older. Um, <laughs> if, you look at, if you look at the two of us, everybody thinks I'm the older brother, um, but I'm not. <laughs> um and I, uh, I checked myself into a rehab and um, I went to a 28 day program and then I followed their recommendations and went to uh, a SLE or a sober living environment. Yep. And I, I lived there for six months or so, six to eight months. Um, and while I was there, I <laughs> helped this other guy remodel a house, you know, drywall and paint, all the stuff that I hate. <laughs> 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 and uh and then then I came back um kind of back to normal life you know because I had checked out for almost a year okay. um you know and and getting you know my my addictions under control and moving into recovery and uh, it's probably about I think it was about a year and a half yeah right around a year and a half sober um whenever I got a job with a flooring company um and it was a flooring company in Boulder uh, that uh, one of the guys that works for me, he's practically my brother. Um, his dad got me the job there. And two weeks in, he's like, yep, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, this is what I'm doing. And, uh, and I'm, I'm coming up on 10 years. Um, I'll have 10 years of sobriety mm. um, on uh, November 26th. Well, congratulations yeah. on that. That's a big, uh, that's a big milestone. It, it, it is. And, you know, it's, <laughs> it's funny because talking, talking with my mentor, he's always brings up the 10 year rule, you know, in 10 years, doesn't matter. You know, was what I do was what I doing back then, 10 years ago, does it matter? You know, and in some instances, no, it doesn't matter at all. You know, I'm totally not the same person I was. But in other instances, it, it's, it's very, very real. You know, because it's it's crazy. Even the things that happened ten years ago, revolving around why I sobered up, I, it still seems like it's yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think there's you know this trade is made up of a lot of guys in the different backgrounds, and certainly that uh, the, a lot of guys in the same situation and and uh, can relate to this. And um, 
for uh, guys that are just maybe beginning of their recovery or, or, or thinking about going down that road? Uh, one piece of advice? <laughs> it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, uh, that's, and that's, I mean, that's the truth, you know, because too, too many people try and go down that road for the wrong reasons, you know, for your spouse or your kids or your parents. And it's, it's, doesn't work that way it's got to be for yourself and it's got to be something pretty bad and everybody's everybody's got something different you know everybody's you know bottom is different you know and <laughs> mine mine was not mine wasn't that bad but it also wasn't that good yeah you know so well congrats on that uh, and again i think that for a lot of guys can relate to that and um, certainly, um, gosh, man, the, the track that you guys are on now and what you've done with your life, man, is pretty pretty impressive, dude. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's you know, thank you, and also it's it's so much help with from other people. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's so much help from other people. You know, and you know, from <laughs> from my mentor, um, he's been a huge help for me. Um, I, as I've told you about him, he's taken me from a monkey with a mallet to a business owner, you know, and then with my brother and through the help of a lot of people in the industry and social media. Um, that's also about when I got on social media was in 2017, um, specifically Instagram and started building relationships. And with those platforms, if you think it's a dumb question, ask it. Because there is no stupid questions, Um, you know, and and if you're worried that, you know, so-and-so that you think might have an answer to a question that you have might be, you know, a dick about it, if they are, well, then, you know, they can pound sand and somebody else will answer that question because I I try and be pretty open and answer a lot of questions. I tend not, not so much in my own market, somebody direct messages me or calls me. Um, if you're not directly in my area, I'll pretty much tell you anything you want to know, um, because that's exactly what was done for me. Um, and <laughs> you know the saying, "A rising tide lifts all ships." Oh no, I never heard that one before. <laughs> How's that go again? <laughs> a rising tide lifts all ships. Yeah. Damn it! Write that down, Rob. <laughs> that's a good. One. I'm gonna use that one. That's like is uh, juice worth the squeeze? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, the juice has to be worth the squeeze. Otherwise, don't start squeezing. <laughs> That's right. Nice. <laughs> All right. Um, so, um, um, where do you see yourself in five years, you guys? Yeah, preferably retired. <laughs> 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 um, uh, you know, for the most part, um, you know, just really just trying to continue to push our skill sets. Yeah. Um, that's that's such a big driving force for both me and my brother is pushing our skill sets, always trying to be better. Um, you know, the, the saying of, you know, that uh, putty is not your buddy and it's, it's accepting that you've failed. Yeah. If you can't, if you have to putty a cut because you can't get that cut right to us, it means that you're accepting that you failed at it, mm-hmm. you know, which sometimes you have to, 
you know, you, you can't, they can't all be winners, you know, but, you know, a lot of the time, two minutes and recutting something, you know, can, or walking away. Um, I had to do that today. Uh, this cut close out up against this glass window in this house. I failed at it three times <laughs> and, uh, had to walk away cause it's just getting mad. And then the fourth time, yeah, got yeah. it right. So funny I'm, I'm doing a lot of scroll song these days on my on my time off uh, I and mean, i'm the same way if, if i start breaking blades that means i'm getting walk away to walk, it's time to time to walk away or you know what go do something else clear your head yeah. come back to it when you're feeling and it's amazing what just that alone will, will difference it'll make uh, oh yeah it's it's crazy <laughs> the scroll song oh i hate that yeah. thing <laughs> it's yeah, so frustrating it, it is uh it, it, <laughs> It's uh, my nemesis right now, but uh, I'm intrigued by you guys and, and you and your brother and, and uh, because um, I, it's, yeah, you guys do quality work. I mean, you guys, you kick ass, man. I mean, there's no two, two ways around it. You guys, you guys do that. You, you embrace social media, but I, I like the energy and that you guys, when I talk to you guys, you're never satisfied, man. You're always like trying to get better. You talk about that cut. I see it in you guys and the passion, what I mean, the, the passion that comes through when I talk to you guys about hardwood floors, man, is so evident. I mean, I, I, one time I was, I was talking, I think your brother and he was showing his jigs and stuff and everything. And I was like, I mean, and at the time I was like, I gotta be over here doing this, but man, he was so wrapped up in this. I go, man, I gotta hear this, man. Cause it was a big deal. And uh, it was just kind of cool. So I, I love the energy, man. And, and I really appreciate you, you, you making the time, Steven. And um, um, just nothing but, uh, best wishes for you guys in the future and we'll be watching I, I don't think that other floor of the year is that far away i i know uh you guys it's got to be up there somewhere swirling around man what the next one's going to be so uh yeah, yeah i gotta find somebody else to talk into to doing something <laughs> crazy <laughs> that's another episode i might want to talk to you guys about about uh that that inlay that you did pouring the metal because uh that was a heck of a lot of metal inlay that you guys did on that job man and it come out it just <laughs> Yes, that's a classic design, that floor to lead. But to do it the way you guys did it, uh, you took it to another level, man. Very cool. Uh, I was <laughs> – my brother was not very happy whenever I came back. I was like, hey, like, what do you think of this idea? And he's like, dude, you're crazy. Like, what? I was like, well, they liked it, so. <laughs> well, I'm glad you said that. I know we got to go. We're running short on time, but I have to say this, that, that, you're, that uh, we had a guest on before, uh, Gary Horvath uh, with Real Wood Antique Floors. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that, that you, you remember the staircase that came down that all looks like one piece of wood, you know, that floor of the year in 2015. And, and it came about the same way where his, his wife said, when the homeowner said, can you do it down the stairs? He goes, yeah. She goes, yeah, we can do it. He had no idea he could do it, but they have to figure it out. And that's how, yep. that's how you stretch yourself. That's how you get better that you get out of your comfort zone and you say, all right, man, this is a challenge. This is, this is going to be a bear, but let, this is going to make us better in the end. Yeah, exactly. It's all about pushing, you know, and, and pushing those skill sets and that knowledge base. And if, if you're too scared to do it, then you're never going to progress forward and you're always going to be staining floors brown. Yeah. <laughs> so again, this is Stephen Young with Young Brothers Hardwood Floors. You probably see their, see their, it's, they're not uh, hard to find on social media. Um, and this has been another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob. Please stay tuned for another episode.